the volume. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It's got great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, college basketball, and so much more. It has got awesome new and existing user promotions it is unquestionably America's number one sports book. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. It's a fast turnaround. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. Discover the most popular SGPs each day right when you log in. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now. Sign up with promo code BOXING so they know that I sent you. Promo code BOXING so they know Chris Mannix sent you their way. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back. Boxing with Chris Mannix. For this week's episode. Good episode this week. Joining me first, Dan Canobio. Inside Boxing Live, CopyBox. uh, Does some boxing broadcasting with various outlets as well. And Jamel Herring. The former 130-pound champion, he is joining the show also. Fellas, thanks for uh, for being here. Jamel, we have some, we're going to tap your analyst brain for this uh, podcast. But some, I'm reading some news about you. Are, are you back in the ring in May? Is that, is that accurate? Yes, sir. That is, um, <clears throat> that is very accurate. I'll be back in the ring in May. I'm excited. I'm just looking forward to getting back in there. So you're doing it with a new trainer. Is that correct? Yes, <laughs> yes, that, that is also that's also very correct. So, what's the, the little, little story there? What's going on with that? Um, you know, I I enjoyed my time with B and B, who which we all know is Bo Mac, um, Red Spikes, East Al Diegas. But um, I, I you know, crazy thing is, Bo Mac felt that it was um actually the best for us to go different ways and. You know, I had to do nothing but respect that. Um, like I said, I still love Bo and the team. Um, Red Spikes, he's a great, a great individuals, great trainers. 
but it, it was it was more of a amicable thing between us, and I just had to go and basically find help elsewhere um, based on his decision. So uh, I looked over to my left and right, and I felt that Manny Robles, who I've known for over well over a decade, um, Coach Manny actually actually helped me get to the Olympics. And I felt like that, and that, in this point in time, was was maybe the best fit for me. So I'll be I'll be working alongside Manny Robles in Los Angeles, um, going into my next fight. So that's that's interesting. I mean, well, first of all, Manny's an excellent trainer, known to most people uh, as the man that guided Andrew Ruiz to the Unified Heavyweight Championship. But uh, you sound surprised that Bomac uh, wanted to go his separate ways. Um, I'm definitely definitely because um, I understand it was basically more of um. A difference in opinion due to the business and the, and the sport, but for, for the most part, you know, um, it was definitely it was definitely a huge surprise because, like I said, um, I, I thought I would end my career with those with those individuals, but you know, I, I respect the decision. It, it's no bad blood, um, you know, Bud Bud as well did a, did a did a great tremendous job um, in terms of getting to me getting me to the world title in my career. So I, I always have um, love and respect for those guys, but. You know, sometimes sometimes it just have, it just have the business works, but at the end of the day, it's no animosity. Um, Bomac, did, you know, I give him a lot of love and respect because again, um, he got me not only to the world title, but you know, he helped me defend it on multiple occasions. And like I said, I'm, I'm definitely going to miss, um, you know, working alongside Red and Eastside Wolf because those are they, they they played a huge part as well in getting me to where I'm at even today. So. It's definitely gonna um definitely gonna be feel funny. I can't I'm the can't lie, but you know I have to um do what do what's best and, and just continue to keep trucking and pushing forward. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you back uh in the ring in May at 135, right? You're moving up in weight. Um 130, 135 as of now, but I mean you see me, Chris. Um I, I'm never the type to feel like I've outgrown or look like I've outgrown weight classes. So um, I have no issue fighting at 135 because that's where I actually started my career as a pro. Um, even in the amateurs, I fought as high as junior welterweight. But I, I told Tom Ring to always um, also keep options open at um, 130, which is funny because I'm not that we're speaking about it. Um, I, I was originally supposed to fight Richard Comey coming back at 135, but um, so I guess some something on his end they said that Richard wouldn't be available for May. So we dropped that, um, that idea. And then um, they came with me with um, Conseil, Robson Conseil at 1.30. But um, I was I was told by top rank that he was having issues with visas getting into the country. So we had, we had the scrap from that. So it was basically, I, I was okay with the fight at 1.30 or 1.35, but um, we just couldn't find the right opponent. At um at at either so we're back to we're back to um 135 but again I have no issues fighting at 130. Yeah, uh, well, Jamel, speaking from you know one finely tuned athlete to another, I can you know I know you're you're very you're easily bounced back and forth in weights. You know I, I'm trying to get to cruiserweight <laughs> as we speak. I'm I'm almost there, almost at that <laughs> that weight class. So it's uh, it's all good. Um, Dan, Dan, do you have any news to announce that tops Jamel's before we get into it? <laughs> I don't. I'm not jumping through weight classes. I have no new trainer. Uh, I think that's interesting, though. Manny Robles, world-class trainer, must be a, an adjustment for you. If anyone can roll with the punches and just battle through any type of adversity, it's it's Jamel Herring. So I know you'll, you'll be in, in top shape for that fight in May. And it's got to be different going from Colorado to L.A. Right, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, right now, I know it's back and forth with Colorado, um, snow and everything in LA. 
the weather is getting just right because it's springtime. So it's definitely going to yeah. be a huge difference in terms of atmospheres. But for me, I, I know once I once I lace up a pair of gloves and just you know go hit hit something, I'll be fine. Because again, um, I, I've had a great friendship relationship with Manny for over well over a decade. And again, um, he was in my corner for not only for the um in the amateurs but in the Olympics as well. So we 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 had. We definitely have a, um, a, a great bond, and I'm just happy to, to be around another familiar face at least. Yeah, no question about that. All right, let's jump into the news, fellas, uh, of the week. And I want to begin with a conclusion, a resolution for the drama between Devin Haney and George Cambosis. Devin Haney and George Cambosis will meet in June to settle the undisputed championship at 135 pounds that fight will take place in Australia. It will be broadcast on ESPN, which is a layer of this that will peel back uh, as well. Dan, let's start with you. Give me your reaction to finally, you know, getting uh, a deal done for Devin Haney to face George Cambosis. I just tweeted this out. It was years of confusion about who was the undisputed, the franchise belt, all that nonsense. Months of painstaking negotiations, uh, whether it was Lomachenko at first and now uh, in steps Devin Haney. But finally, this June, we're going to have a resolution, like you said, Chris, and we're going to have ourselves an undisputed champion at lightweight, barring a draw. <laughs> I did tweet that too, and I got a lot of reactions on, no, please, the last thing we need is a draw <laughs> uh, in this fight to string this along anymore. But I, I think it's great. I think it's good for boxing. Uh, Devin Haney, many believe that he was the, the guy that should get this shot because of the... Uh, the confusion with the belt. He is on paper, or if you want to say email, uh, I know that's a slight, but he is a the champion of the WBC at 135 pounds. Uh, obviously, we saw what George Cambosos did winning those belts against Tiafimo Lopez. I thought Lomach the Lomachenko fight would make the most amount of money for uh, George Cambosos. I'm pretty sure it would, having uh, some insights on how those uh, negotiations were going. But if it was either Lomachenko or 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 uh, or, or Haney. You know, I was fine with that, but now we, we're going to figure out, get it once and for all. It's going to go down in, in Australia. The fight, the fact that it's on regular ESPN, uh, it, I think is a big win for, for boxing fans. It's going to get a huge viewership. And like you said, just finally getting an answer to this long, long-winded saga at 135 pounds, and we're going to figure out who's the best. Jamal, what do you think? Because I know you were watching that very closely because yes. whether, whether Lou DiBella wants to admit it or not, you were potentially an option if that fight had fallen through to go to Australia and fight uh, George Cambo. So, what do you think of a deal finally getting done? Um, yeah, I mean, from my side, I did, I did, I did get a call. I did get a call about um, basically being on standby. I was pretty much I was, I was reading all the articles. I was pretty much playing C <laughs> in terms because, like I said, Plan A was um, Lomachenko. Plan B, of course, was Haney. And then um, I, I was actually given a call the last minute while I was about to prepare for my own fight. To be on standby, but um, all, all due respect, I feel like the, the right man did get the opportunity. And even you know, I, of course, I, I would love to fight for the world title, but I feel in my own right, I have to, I have to earn to get back into that, into that, um, into that conversation. But um, it's a good fight. It's a good fight. Um, like Dan pointed out, we finally get to put the rest. Who is you know, if this this is truly the true undisputed you know championship of the world with all the belts, including um. The mix-up between the franchise title and the regular WBC title haven't been able to put it, but it's a good fight, like you also stated. Um, ESPN, so it's going to be on a, on a bigger platform, and I'm, I'm definitely as a box fan, I'm definitely excited. And plus, um, you know, once I handle business 
myself, you know, maybe I could throw my name in the loop sometime down the road as well with, with all the champions going around. You know, this was a fight that Devin Haney had to take. I know it wasn't, it probably wasn't the most ideal financial conditions. I know he doesn't want to basically have to spend the better part of a year in Australia because that's what it would be if he wins the first fight. The rematch will also be in Australia. But Jamel, he he had to take this fight, right? Like, I mean, right. if Devin Haney passed on this fight and like moved up to 140, like th- there's no money fight for him there right now. And what's he going to do? Go in and face like a killer like Regis Progre right away or get in the mix with Jose Zapata. I mean, there's just, there wasn't a fight that was anywhere near as important or as marketable than this fight. So I'm glad that Devin Haney, Bill Haney, that they came to this understanding because passing on this fight would have been a disaster for Devin Haney. He's had a lot of bad kind of PR over the last year from people thinking he's like, oh, he's not, he doesn't want the real fights. He's not trying to make these right. fights happen. Uh, Jamel, he, he, in my mind, it was take this fight or else take a public relations body blow for the next year. Um, a- a- Absolutely, absolutely. And I give him much credit and respect because, again, not only did he take a pay cut, but, you know, he's, like you pointed out, he's doing it for legacy. And and if you're going, like he like he points out, the, the Pretty Boy Floyd, um, you know, book, you know, Floyd had to go take the lesser cut and still get in the bigger fights in order to get to the money made by the side of, of his personality and his career. So, you know, like I said, you, sometimes you got to, um, you got to take risk in order to get to where you really want to be at. And I'm, and I'm glad he's actually leading by example because we live in an era, especially with social media, where we see a lot of these younger fighters where they want to be the man right now even and, and take uh, minimal risk. But, you know, he, you know, he's taking that only, risks and stepping up a competition, but he's going into my else's backyard, like, like he put it out for potentially another year or so, depending on how the outcome goes with this, but either way, how the outcome comes with this fight. And not only that, he, he could potentially go on from a Cambosis right into a Lomacheco matchup as well. So, you know, he's definitely got a, a tall task ahead of him, but um, much luck, much credit to him, but if he even taking the risk, he even signing the, the, the contract. Dan, how do you, how do you see this fight? Because, like, there's a part of me that thinks Haney should be a big favorite going in, but he's going to have to go to Australia. And Cambosis, I know social media is not everything, but it looks like he started training, like, a week after that fight <laughs> with Teofimo. Like, he seems as committed now as he was before that fight, and we saw how dangerous he could be in that fight. Yeah, It's really hard to, to gauge his fight. I can't wait to see what the odds are. Uh, I would think Haney would be a slight favorite um, just because of his boxing ability. Uh, I think he's a little more of a sound uh, fighter, uh, maybe a a little bit of a better jab. But the thing with Cambosis, and this kind of sounds corny, like this whole boxing cliche is like the heart. Uh, We saw that against uh, with with Tiafimo. He may not have the same skills, uh, Cambosis, as some of his counterparts at 135. I may not have the same power, uh, may not have the same attributes, but he's got something else in him. And the fact that he's going to be at home uh, with his crowd behind him, however many pack into that massive stadium. I mean, this is going to help him. This is his moment. And then you also have to factor in the judging. We, we saw what happened with Pacquiao and Horn. Uh, the, there's this you know, ongoing narrative in boxing where you go on the road, you're going to get hosed. 
uh, that can play a factor in, in this fight. It always does, uh, especially on the road in a fight of, of this magnitude. But I think it's going to be a close fight, uh, I think, on paper and in the ring as well. Uh, I think Cambosos may have the power edge, but I think that, that Haney is a damn good boxer, really good defensively. And just to go back on your, your last, what we were just talking about, I think that fans are going to have a lot of respect now for Haney for signing over on, on this contract. Uh, like you said, spending a year, I didn't think of it like that, but now that I think about it, he's going to have to spend a long time in there because if he, he wins that first fight, he's got to fight him again. He loses, obviously, he'll go back home and uh, fight two more fights uh, with top rank. But taking less money, there's a lot of ways to look in that too. I, I think he was obviously overpaid uh, with the zone because they wanted to make a big splash. But it's going to be a very, very close fight. There's a lot of close to pick them fights on the boxing schedule. And, I, and when the odds come out, I think this will be close to even. Well, my understanding was that Lomachenko was, was literally going to do that. He was going to move to Australia and like hold his full training <laughs> camp for that fight and then do the next training camp for that fight. Like wow. he was going to be there. That was my, that's a big ask. That's a big ask. No question about it. You yeah. know, Jamel, <laughs> I, I've always found like, if I'm the press conference, people it might've already happened by the time people are listening to this podcast. But if I'm George Cambosis, one of my tactics going into this fight is to get inside Devin Haney's head and convince him that he can't punch. Like the biggest weakness I think to Devin Haney is that he so badly wants to be a power puncher. Like he wants to be regarded right. as someone with heavy hands. That's just not his thing. He, he can hit. Don't get me wrong. He's knocked out a lot of guys in his career and he's hurt a lot of guys in his career, but that's not his best attribute. He is an excellent boxer in every sure. way, shape, and form. If tell, tell me what you think of this. I think Cambosis should just spend the next two months trying to convince Devin that he's soft, that he won't bang with him, that he won't get in the ring and trade. Because if Devin has that mindset in the fight, I think that gives George his best chance to win. Because I don't think, Jamel, I don't think George can win a straight boxing match against Devin Haney. No. I think, I think like, 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 I mean, everything you said was correct. I think George needs to be the same George how he was even in the buildup and postponements with the T.O.P. Lopez fight. Got um, in his George, head. Got in his head. Exactly. Got in his head. George um, also put it out there that he was just as big of a puncher, if not more aggressive and the, and the bigger man in, in the fight. Um, and he kind of did impose that, that same attitude within the fight. So George has, has, has not only, you know, bring that, you know, I'm the bigger man, the bigger puncher mentality going, you know, in the buildup, but also in the ring, he has to be the bully. Because if you, if you let, if you give um, Devin enough space and too much time to think, he's going to just pick you apart and, and just, you know, beat you up in the outside. So George has to be not only, you know, not only feel like he's the champion and the real champion, but he has to go in there and be the bigger man during fight night as well. Yeah, no question about it. I'm curious to see what approach he takes. Um, when it comes to to that, uh, Dan, let me ask you this: Like, Matchroom invested a lot of money in Devin Haney. Uh, did it surprise you to see them lose out on this fight in favor of the top-ranked Tabella ESPN deal? Of course, uh, it was. I think uh, well, there was something that came out last week or last week or last year about Devin Haney not having a, a uh, network aligned with him. He was going working on a fight-by-fight fight basis. I didn't know it, he, he didn't have a long-term deal with Matchroom as well. So there is two ways to look at it. It's like, well, he's a lot of people I see in my mentions are saying, you know, he shouldn't, Devin Haney shouldn't have to take this deal. This is not a good deal for Devin Haney. He shouldn't have to go to Australia for two fights. He shouldn't have to sign with another promoter. He shouldn't have to go on, a, on another network 
But on the flip side of things, I'm like, well, where was his commitment from his promoter that he was been with for the last four or five years? You know, why didn't he have a long term plan with Matchroom? Why didn't he have a long term plan with the zone? So that's interesting to me. The fact that he now has a chance to fight for Undisputed. Yes, obviously, he has to spend a lot of time in Australia, his worst places to be. Uh, he's going to be making a lot of money in, in this fight. And he's going to be able to fight on regular ESPN. And I know, Chris, you work for the for, for zone, but there's no denying that ESPN is a, is a bigger platform, regular ESPN, uh, than the zone. That, to me, sounds like a pretty good deal, all things considered. And it's an actual plan. It's a three-fight plan that they've given Devin Haney. I'm not saying that Matram didn't have a good plan for Haney. They got them to this point. They paid him tremendously. They gave him some big-time platforms uh, to, to fight under. But the fact that he now has a three-fight plan, two undisputed uh, matchups, and then a potential, if he wins those, to fight Lomachenko, that, I think there's a, at 23 years old, I think a lot of fighters would take that uh, and sign on the dotted line very quickly. Yeah, and Jamel, it goes back to kind of the, the top of the discussion. Like, he had to take this deal. Um, I understand he's got a good relationship with Eddie Hearn. He's been paid well by DAZN. And, like, to Dan's point, believe me, I would have taken a trip to Australia or two trips to Australia. Hell yeah, I would have gone on one of those trips. But right. if you're Devin Haney, and you know this as a fighter, like, the number of years in your career are finite. You 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 only get certain amount of opportunities. You don't even though he's just twenty three. You don't want to waste time when this is presented to you a potential undisputed championship at one thirty five, and then maybe a shot at one of the top ten pound for pound guys in the world in Vasily Lomachenko. It's just a no brainer. Oh yeah, of course. And um, like you pointed out, with, with time, let's not let's not forget that um, Devin is still a young kid that's still potentially growing. So there's, there's no telling, there's no telling how long, how much longer he even wanted to be at lightweight. So it was like, you know, you got to take the opportunity while they're at hand before you even get to decide if you want to move up to um, maybe fight bigger and stiffer competition. So, I, you know, like you said, it was pretty much, um, for the most part, a no-brainer. Because like you also mentioned earlier, like, what was he going to do if he didn't take a deal? Like, was he going to continue fighting? what mandatory challengers and, and potentially um, individuals that we, that no one cared to really see? Or was he was he going to you know get in the mix of um, being one of the best in the world himself by by fighting for all the belts? I hope just editorializing here. I hope nobody pays the sanctioning fee for the franchise belt. Do not pay that fee. Shove <laughs> I that. hope they actually. I hope they pull a Riddick bow yes. and just dump it into a garbage. Enough into a garbage. Enough belt. with that that title. Enough in I don't every way. About class. it anymore. Canelo has still has one at like one sixty. Take that and dump it in the trash as well. Like. Let's get a big pile of franchise belts and leave them. <laughs> Cut them up. Uh, leave them for good. All right, let's move on. Uh, staying in the 135-pound division, Tank Davis uh, is going to be back in the ring in May, taking on uh, Raleigh Romero. Tank has faced a lot of criticism, Jamel, over the years for his choice of opponents, or more specifically, the opponents that Mayweather Promotions has lined up in front of him. He's 27 years old. He'll be 28 in the fall. And to date... His biggest win and his most notable opponent was Jose Pedraza, who's a good win, right. but that's not an opponent at the highest level. It seems like it's starting to get to Tank Davis a little bit. He went on social media this week and suggested that this was, or came out and said, actually, that this was the last fight of his deal with Mayweather Promotions, um, indicating perhaps that he may move on from them after this fight. What was your take on that? And is it time for... Tank Davis to maybe take a little bit more control in his career to get the bigger fights. You know, um, you know, I, I respect, I respect Leonard and those guys over there who I know personally, but I feel like it's definitely time for um, Tank to have more hands-on with it, with his, with his career. 
Um, I, I think, and I think with, with him is, you know, he he's made all the money that he can dream of, even at the, at the stage in his career. Because if you look at it, the most part of his career was based on making the most money, the most buck, the less risk. And I think now that he's seen that all of his peers and those guys around, you know, around his weight and age and how they're being mentioned in, in, in the bigger fights. And let's be honest, he has, he has like rivalries with guys like Devin and so. And when you see these guys getting more um, credibility when, in their careers, it, it kind of gets you like, you know, I should be in the mix and included with the best as well. But my career has been so stagnant throughout the past few years. It's, it'll start to get to you. I think it'll start to get to any man. So I think him going to social media is basically him again lashing out and you know acknowledging now that he really needs to do something big for his his career to basically um, really be relevant with the bigger names out there as well. Dan, I I give Mayweather Promotions a lot of credit for how they've built him into the star that he is today. Mm -hmm. He is a bona fide attraction in Baltimore, Atlanta, mm -hmm. Los Angeles. We assume he'll do pretty well when he fights at the Barclays Center in New York. There's no doubt that they've done well with that. But up until this point, he has not had the big fights. And one of my biggest issues with Mayweather Promotions is something Floyd said on the record. Effectively, he doesn't want to do deals outside of the PBC universe. And that severely limits you if you're at 130, yeah. 135, and even at 140. So, I, you know, it, the way I look at it, Dan, if he wants to stay with Mayweather Promotions, by all means, they know him. They know how to build him. But you have to make it clear that you need to get a fight against Ryan Garcia. That is the fight you have to yeah. make. Ryan Garcia is back in the ring in April against Emmanuel Tego. Tank Davis is back in the ring in May against Raleigh Romero. If both those guys win, there is no reason that fight shouldn't happen in September, October at the latest. You don't have a pay-per-view obstacle anymore because DAZN's in pay-per-view. If you want to do a co-pay-per-view with Showtime or with Fox or with whoever, that's doable now as well. Tank's right. got to get that fight, Dan. Like that's no, If he absolutely. can't get that fight this year... Um, I don't know what fight he gets moving forward. <laughs> it, it, I think Jamel made some great points there. And the Ryan Garcia fight is the fight to make. It's either Ryan Garcia or, or it's Lomachenko. And I always say, like, we'll never know what goes on behind closed doors with these fighters. And Jamel, you can attest to this, to the fighters and their promoters and what goes on. But we can see, we've seen some things it, by, from the horse's mouth. We saw what, what Tank tweeted. We saw that he says that this is the last fight under my deal. He wouldn't tweet that if he was happy. He wouldn't tweet that. You know, that's the reason I'm fighting Rolly Romero. You had Mayweather actually, uh, you know, talked about that tweet too and said, had a statement on it as well, acknowledged it too. Then you also have Mayweather saying his point of we're going to keep this in-house. And then you take a look around at the, at the picture at 130 to 140. Majority of those fighters are now under the top rank or ESPN banner. Uh, I, I think Tank is looking at that. And there's no doubt that he, uh, his team, uh, Leonard Ellerby and Mayweather Promotions, have built him into a bona fide ticket seller and a very good pay-per-view draw by today's standards. But you can't expect to be on the pound-for-pound pound list. You can't expect to be named alongside some of these other great fighters in boxing if you're not fighting the very best or, or taking those risks. You can't have it both ways. Yes, he's making a lot of money, and he's probably one of maybe three or four ticket sellers in all of boxing. Not everyone can do what you just said, Chris, sell out Barclays or sell out Atlanta or, or sell out LA. That's really hard to do on Sunday nights and, and stuff. But if you're not fighting the best, you know, it's almost like a, he's on, on his own little Island. Like he wasn't even in the discussions for a, this Cambosos fight. What, what's up with that? The fact that this guy 
it brings a, a lot of fans with him. And, and not only that, he's very good. That's the thing with, with I get a lot of criticism myself thrown my way because people think I, that I'm a Javante Davis hater. No, I'm not. I think he's one of the top fighters skill wise, but I can't properly gauge how he performs in the ring because he's not fighting a level opponents, but it's getting to the point I think now where he's looking around and he's not at the Canelo level, uh, but he is certainly in a small group of fighters that can dictate the terms of their career. And he's what, 28 years old now. Be 28 we're, we're just talking fall, about yeah. Yeah. he's 28 this fall. And we're talking about finite time in boxing. Uh, you know, Devin Haney taking this fight at 23. When you get to 28, between 28 and 32, you got to be making the top dollar. This is it. This is the prime of your career and the prime of, of your life. He has the capabilities and the clout, Javante Davis, to go out there and maybe make his own calls. You know, make it call his own shots. Maybe take a two-fight deal with ESPN or take a two-fight deal with, with the zone or be a free agent. Still uh, have Al Heyman a, 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 as your advisor, but maybe not have Floyd Mayweather as your promoter. I think if there's a, only a few or a select few in boxing that had that type of capability to do that, Javante Davis is one of them. The Ryan Garcia fight is just there, right there for the taking. A Lomachenko fight, whether what happens with him uh, in the Ukraine, also a fight I'd want to see. But it's getting to the point with Tank that he has to fight someone, and I would favor him over a lot of these lightweights. That's the thing. God, we we are you and I then are. are either president or vice president, apparently, of the Tank Davis <laughs> hater club because I get the same oh. stuff. All I want to yeah. do, though, is see the guy in big fights. Like, it's the same It's the same issue I have with Jamal Charlo. Like, I'm not a Jamal Charlo hater. I just don't give a shit about Jamal Charlo, Maciek Suletsky, or Jamal Charlo, Juan Montiel. I don't care. And, the, need... and most of the times, Chris, these guys don't, they, they want to fight the best. Like, Charlo and, and Munguia signed on the dotted line to fight, but everyone else got in the way. It, it, Tank Davis wants all the smoke. He wants to fight all these guys, but you have a promoter that maybe is telling him otherwise, like, hey, you can make the same amount of money, right. sell out Barclays, you can sell out Staples, and, uh, and, if and you fight, fight maybe Isaac Cruz. Fighters are, and Jamel knows this better than all of us, like, fighters aren't afraid to get in the no. ring with something. Like, I, I don't believe Jamal Charlo over the years, not not to make this about Charlo and Andre, which sent me down a rabbit hole I don't want to get back out of, um, but, like, you know, Charlo's never afraid of Andre. Like, you know, just, like, guys want to fight. It's just the people get in the way and like you know you are defined by who you fight i mean to put it in in jamel's context here like jamel I, I thought you gained the most off your win over frampton which was a high profile win and even the loss to shakur right. like that was like i mean these right. these kind of put you more on the map and gave you more credibility than really anything else you'd done prior oh, yeah, to i that. mean de definitely definitely and i, I feel like I, and i always i always um think it's a sorry excuse when fighters think that they'll get more for this. I would say, I always believe that you get more in your pocket with the, with the resume you built in terms of the bigger names on your resume, in my opinion. So I don't, I don't, I don't look at that. Well, I can make this for that. Like, no, I believe that with the bigger fights, you know, the, the bigger purses will come. So, um, and I also, and at the same time, you're still building your legacy and you're fighting guys that people actually care about and will talk about your career for years to come, even, even after you hang up the gloves. I mean, like with, um, with Tank's case, he's a, he's a terrific, terrific, terrific fighter, in my opinion. Um, and, and like you, point, you guys point out, he, he, he is and can, can consider one of the best, but it's, at the end of the day, when you sit down and start dissecting things, it's like, okay, um, you go back to Jose Pedraza and then you, you have to stop and, and say, well, you know, he, he fought this guy who was, 
it was okay, but what, you know he couldn't have fought this guy at that time. So I think he's in, he's in the um a tough a tough spot, and we all like to just see how he matches up and, and does against even guys like Tio, Ryan Garcia, Camp Bosons, Lomachenko, and so on. So I think he's I think you know, him as a fighter, he's, he's at that point where he knows it's time to, to maybe make a change within his um his circle and hopefully move on to bigger and better things in the future. And we. Jamel, we, we don't get nice things in boxing all that often, but can can we please <laughs> can we please get Ryan against Tank? Like that is just bombs mm. electricity. away for those electricity. two guys. And bringing in, by the way, two massive and could not be completely oh different audiences, like totally different audiences. You got the think audience. Think about what there. that arena would look like that night. Just think about the buildup. Think about what that arena would look like. Think about. All the entertainment companies, all these these sporting companies that usually don't give a damn about boxing, jumping in for that fight. Not only that, it's going to be an excellent fight, too. Two guys that go for the knockout. I mean, they could fight three times if they really wanted to. But, I mean, it has to happen. Like you said, I think we're at a good timing with it now with Ryan coming back. Uh, the business side of things starting to shake out a, a little more in the favor of, of that fight happening. I mean, it's just gotten to the point where look at the, the, the last three fights of Devin Haney, who people get on him for, for his resume. I mean, Linares, Jojo Diaz, and now George Cambosos. That's pretty damn good. That's maybe the best at, at lightweight right now, maybe outside of, uh, of Cambosos. But you look at Tank, I mean, Barrios at 140, uh, Gamboa, uh, and Isaac Cruz. I mean, come on, man. You got to step it up. And I think he wants to. And that's what I think where that tweet came from. Yeah, man, I just... I want to see it. Bombs away in a fight like that. That would be so much fun to watch. All right, I want to move on to uh, Shakur Stevenson, who is back on April 30th taking on Oscar Valdez. Uh, Shakur had some interesting comments uh, in the last week or so, talking about his place among the best fighters in the world. Shakur, uh, fresh off a tough win over our friend Jamel here, uh, believes he's at the top, or at least can be soon at the top of the pound-for-pound uh, pound rankings. Jamel, we'll start with you. Uh, you faced him. Uh, do you buy that? I mean, I believe he should be at least be in somewhere in, in that um in that conversation, at least being within the pound for pound list. Um, and not because he he beat me, but he he does he does possess from what I just from me being inside with him in, in there, he does possess the, the talent and skill to of course you know be considered one of the best out there today. I think what he, I got I think with boxing though you have to we we can all say we see same thing with same thing with tank. But you just have to continue adding the names to the resume in order to get to that conversation. And I believe with a, um, a victory over Oscar Valdez, which I believe he will, he will win, would definitely put him in, put him in, in in that list. And you know who knows where he goes from there. And I, 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 I mean, knowing Shakur, because me and Shakur actually do speak a lot more often today on the side. I believe that him being that competitive as he is, I don't see him staying at one thirty after this fight. I think he's going to try to. Um, throw his name in the hat, especially like you guys point out. But the majority of these top names were ESPN and top rank. Now, I think he's gonna um, he's gonna cash in and move up to 135 um, in the near future to maybe also get a chance to fight for undisputed. And but that's just the yeah. competitive nature of Shakur. And I believe if he, like I said, if he does that and and gets to the um, the, um again a three time a three divisional world champion. I believe he'll be he can be considered one of the mm -hmm. one of the best in the world um with Canelo Alvarez as well. Let me just follow up on that, Jamel, before I turn to Dan. Like you've been in the ring with some good guys. Like Shakur's skill set, like what what makes you believe he can be that good? You know, he he's great with patience and timing. Like 
it's hard. It was hard for me to get him to bite and to fall in certain traps. And I ended up and I ended up finding myself, who's a boxer and, and a counterpuncher myself, being the one who had to be the aggressor at times because he just he he doesn't. It's hard to get him to to take any bait. And he's great. He's great with his um with his with his ring IQ is, is tremendous. Um, his coordination is is, is is something that um is rare to find even today with um with other athletes in the ring. So, you know, he just has, for me, a lot of natural skill sets and tools that you can't teach, but he's, he's great. He's great at utilizing them. He may not be the, um, maybe your, your biggest puncher, but, you know, the kid's definitely sharp. And yeah. I think it's going to, even now for um, Valdez, it's going to take a lot because <laughs> we've seen Oscar Valdez um, in his last outing with a boxer. And, you know, the first five, five rounds or so, he had a lot of issues dealing with the distance and the timing and just getting past that jab. And, I, and we all know, you know, Shakur is, is very great with distance and he has a great jab. So I think I think in, in Shakur is the type of fighter who who'll keep that same pace and level all fight if you if you allow him to. So I think you know it's gonna be a hard obstacle and um ladder to decline for for Valdez in that fight. Dan, what do you think of of how quickly Shakur can land inside that pound for pound list and maybe climb his way towards oh. the top? He's coming. He's coming strong. I think the next 12 to 18 months, he'll be in the top five. Uh, I think he has sustainable skills to be at the top for a long time. That's defense. Uh, only gets hit with 4.7 punches per round. That's 12% over his career. The Jamel, knows that. Average... Jamel knows that. Jamel knows that. I know. We got a guy here who's actually been one, in the like, ring I mean, with him. I mean, it was to the point, guys, when I actually did touch him, I'm not going to, I was kind of surprised myself. It was like, it was just so frustrating. Like, yo, I'm like, yo, how does he just like, he just gets out of the way. He just like, just barely misses him. And then like, he's old, but it's crazy because he's always in range also to counter and come back. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most frustrating thing. And remember like, you know, I had a longer reach and I had, a, I, had I was tall, I'm tall than Shakur, but just imagine, um, fight night with Valdez being the shorter guy now yep. and with the, with the um, shorter reach, it's, it's going to be a, a tall order. I'm not saying that um, um, Valdez is going to be oh, easily wiped out, but I just think it's going to be, I think Valdez is going to see it's going to be very frustrating, you know, just, just to get through, like you guys pointed out, the defense aspect of Shakur first. Yeah, I like the fact that you brought up the, you're not the biggest puncher, but he's so damn precise. And like right. he hits his spots too. You don't have to have like, you know, lights out power if you can just hit that spot and be very precise and be very on time. Like the timing is just there. But the fact that he is what, 24 years old now, and he's got, he's a two division world champion. He's, if he wins, he's about to be a under or a unified champion. And now if he moves up to 135, uh, you know, he's going for belts there. Those are, you know, accolades that you look for in a pound for pound fighter. Uh, the fact that his defensive metrics off the charts, uh, you know, just, the resume, he's building a great resume. Shout out to Top Rank and the matchmakers. Uh, Jamal, you can attest to this. One of some of the best in the game of bringing a fighter along, you know, bringing them to that step where they think they're ready and then taking them to that next level. And over his last three fights, you know, he, he's doing that. So he's got resume, he's got sustainable skills, and he's jumping divisions and he's winning in, in, in you know, uh, great fashion. To me, that's everything that I look for, uh, even though I don't really make pound for pound lists. But if I was to make one like 12 months from now, maybe even less, I think Shakur Stevenson is in that discussion. You should make them, Dan. Everybody always agrees with them online. Uh... <laughs> I've made a few lists, uh, but I just pound for pound. It's it's just like there's too many criteria. Like, is it a popularity contest? Right. Is it resume? Are we going with your best win? Or are we just going with the top four so we don't get ridiculed? <laughs> 
I, I tell you this, to put a button on Shakur, um, it's interesting to hear Jamel say that he could see him move up to 135 sooner rather than later. I'd probably prefer he stayed at 130, at least until this Haney, Cambosis, Lomachenko stuff is all settled. I'd like to see him, if he beats Valdez, chase the other two titles in that division and see if he can become undisputed at, at 130. I mean, that would make be, make it incredibly marketable if, say, Lomachenko emerged sometime early next year as the undisputed champion at 135. Shakur, Lomachenko, undisputed, undisputed, or even unified versus undisputed is just a massive, massive fight oh, yeah. that, uh, that I think a lot of people uh, would be interested in. All right, I want to move on to Nonito Donaire, who is... Fucking crazy, all right? <laughs> Donaire. I know Nito Donaire, in the twilight of his balls. career, allegedly, is not looking for, like, victory lap fights. Doesn't want to take on, like, a social media influencer or some big name at the end of his career or an MMA guy like some other people. He is in the bantamweight division, and he is running straight back into the ring with the monster, so to speak, of the uh, bantamweight division. That would be, in a way the unified champion at 118 pounds. That fight will take place over in Japan in the early summer. Uh, Jamel, you're, you're a fighter in his 30s. Um, you're still pushing towards that world title one more time. But like when you see Donaire, like <laughs> just not even blinking at getting back in the ring with Inouye, what do you think? Hey, I, w- I want to be like him when I grow up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that guy, you know, that guy is... um. Is, a, is is amazing and that just he just has the, the heart of a true a true fighter. He's a true fighter. Mm-hmm. He's a fighter. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't have to fight the monster. He doesn't have to, but he wants to, you know. And and it's not and, and you get this sense of the of like he's not doing it in, in terms where you see a lot of guys who want to have rematches because it's a good payday. You don't get that sense with Nonito. You get that you, you get that he wants to fight because he he enjoys the competition. He enjoys the um the sport. And he just wants to, you know, he just wants to maybe end his career off on, on a higher pedestal than where he's at now. I believe that he's a Hall of Famer already, in my opinion. But for him to continue fighting at a higher level against one of the hardest punches in the sport today, you know, you have to you have to tip your hat off to him. And he's not going in there again for, uh, in my opinion, he's not going in there looking for the paycheck. He's going in there to get a win over one of the best fighters who's actually one of the best, in my opinion, pound for pound today. Dan, well, it is Dan, a big paycheck, he, though. He, Dan, he's he's thirty nine. <laughs> yeah. He's thirty nine. I have his box rec up now. <laughs> he's thirty nine. His last four fights, Chris, in a way, undefeated. Nordine Ubali, undefeated. Raymart Gaiballo, undefeated, twenty five year old, and now in a way again. I mean, him and Chocolatito. I think I've been saying this for a while now. We need to like. Uh, appreciate our legends while they're still active or they're still with us, uh, whether they're living legends that have retired, but fighters that we're not going to see the likes of for a, a long time. I think Chocolatito, uh, one of them, obviously Manny Pacquiao, he, he retired, but you know, no, you know, Donaire is one of those guys that needs to be appreciated. And I, I think fight fans are appreciating now running t- towards in a way. Uh, I do think it is a big paycheck. I, um, obviously fighting in Japan, it's going to be a huge event over there. Uh, but I do get the sense that it's not always just about money with him. It is about a challenge. Uh, the guy, too, we have, should be mentioned, uh, is a big advocate for the clean fighters. Uh, you know, a lot of fights that we wanted to see with Nito Donaire fell through, uh, whether it was with Casemiro or, or some other guys, because he believed that they didn't want to enter the Vada testing or this, that, and the other. So the fact that he's doing this at 39 
and is, you know, year round testing. You know, I, I can't quote this for sure, but I'm pretty sure he's one of the like, very few fighters that uh, does the year round testing. Maybe, Jamel, you would know better than this, better than me on, on this. But all the all that. I mean, this guy is a true fighter, 39 years old, going up against Naoya Inoue. He gave Inoue trouble in that first fight. I don't want to say, like, a lot of people look at that fight two different ways, but uh, obviously Inoue was in control. Outlanded him three to one over the final three rounds. That just shows you how good Inoue is. But he damaged his eye, as you can see yeah. today. To this day, when you look at Naoya Inoue's face, that eye is damaged, and that's because of uh, Nonito Donaire. Inoue has 19 knockouts in his 22 wins. Before Donaire, the last guy to go the distance with Inoue was back in 2013 when Inoue was at light flyweight. This guy is just mauling people in the ring and probably hurt Donaire in that fight against him. Well, he should have had him out in the 11. Yeah. It was just... And, and, and Donaire is running towards him again. He's just <laughs> running into him at 39 <laughs> years old. I'll tell you what, Jamel. The one twinge of disappointment that I have and Donaire opened the door to this for me, or for me to this, and I blame him. Um, he said he could make 115, and I think that's crazy in and of itself because guys at that age don't keep coming down in weight. But he said right. he could make 115, and Chocolatito uh, just wiped the mat with Martinez in his last fight. He's back at the top in that pound for pound ranking. I would have loved to have seen. Donaire against Chocolatito at 115. Like how that is like Hall of Fame. That that's like a yeah. that's a fantasy fight to me, Jamel. That's a dream match. It's like it's on the it's on the the and Dan, you can weigh in after this, but like Jamel, it's on the level to me of like maybe not on the level, but it's like in the ballpark of Pacquiao De La Hoya back in 08. Just like this fantasy matchup between two of the best pound for pound fighters of the last 10 years going at it in the ring. And, you know, and, and with them, you, you know, it's, it's going to be all action with those two. So it'll definitely be um, a, a great matchup, especially um, even just a, a, a few years back having that matchup. Cause you, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to leave it all in the ring. But yeah, I, I agree. Um, those lower weight classes, people complain how they don't, think they have great matches there, but that would have been a huge um, matchup, not only for the weight classes um, that, um, around that weight, but for just boxing as a whole. I think, I think you know, the world definitely would have been tuned in for that type of fight. I just worry, Dan, that, you know, in a matchup like that, if Donaire made that weight in a comfortable way, which he was convinced that he could, like, he might have left... He might have left Chocolatito, like, what was it? Uh, who did he put down and uh, blanking on his name? Or early in his career, he put somebody down bad. Like, like, HBO run as a, as a headliner, he was putting everybody, he was flatlining every time. I mean, he was, he was knocking guys out, whether it was Nicholas Walters or uh, I'm looking through his, uh, Fernando Montiel, that was the one he put down where I think he, there was. I think he dented Montiel's face in that fight. Like, it's just. He's got that hook, man, and he's hoping that he can land it in a way. I think that's his only chance is, is, is to land something huge. I think I don't think it's going to be pretty, to be honest. I think the Inoue is on a whole nother level right now. And I'm talking about these mythical matchups. I know that Chocolatito's name was being thrown in with Inoue, too. Not, I don't really want to see that no. uh, because I think we're all we all love Chocolatito. And we don't want to see him get beat up. I want to see him make that big payday. But, you know, I'm hearing that Chocolatito might be fighting Nyoka, which is another Japanese fight. And get that money. Go over there. Get that Japanese money while, while you can. And. And, and cash out uh but there are so many good fights at these lower weights like interchangeable you know and the thing with donaire he's a he's like a taller bantamweight too so for him to get down to 115 would be crazy uh but i would not doubt him at all but i think we're gonna get another explosive fight um 
it's just gonna be the boxing schedule is crazy, man. Month of June is just off the charts. He was talking to me before his last fight. He's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of at one sixteen right now before the weigh in. I'm like, you're at one sixteen? What? He's like Jamel. They're freaks. Like, they walk around. The they're hell? fighting. Like, what? Uh, can I have your diet? Just make a book. Make a dieting book. Like retire and do that. Like, Jamel, what are you weighing? What are you weighing right now? Um, right now, honestly, I'm probably around to a welterweight limit. Probably one forty seven. Perfect. But I like you guys know I have a great um the perfecting athletes nutritionist. So for me, once I once I have like that first week of camp, I'm probably in like the low forties. <laughs> that's that's the biggest thing, especially when you get into your thirties, is staying around that fighting. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, you gotta take care. Up. You gotta take care of yourself. And I actually got that from um learned that from the great Bernard Hopkins. That's another one that's a freak of nature. I, I oh, see yeah. who's done who's done the tremendous things not only with, with his own career but keeping just staying in shape. So I, I learned that from um a long time ago having conversations with Bernard Hopkins. I saw Bernard like last week and he's at like 180 right now. Like if he needed to make 175 for a fight, he could probably do it at the moment. Like probably, he's, he's probably thinking about it too. He's probably thinking about it. He's got he's got the full <laughs> Santa beard going on, but he's probably thinking about getting <laughs> getting back in the ring. All right, I want to finish guys uh over in Japan. And with another older fighter, Gennady Golovkin, uh, who is making his long-anticipated return in a unification fight against Ryota Murata. This fight has been scheduled for months now. It was postponed from the end of 2021 uh, because of COVID-related issues uh, in Japan. It is now finally happening. Jamel Golovkin will be 40 the day he steps into the ring uh, with Murata. You've seen him in his last couple of fights. He's been largely inactive over the last three years, just one fight per year in the last couple. Uh, what are you expecting from a 40-year-old Gennady Golovkin? Um, I've always been a fan of him ever since he um, he stepped on the scene, especially to the, to the American audience. But like you pointed out, just from his last few outings, he has, he has been, you know, um, Mexican-style um, Golovkin, as we could put it. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I go back and forth because, like I said, especially with the, with the layoff, and we, and we know – with this pandemic, we have seen fighters who have taken a long layoff just with the pandemic alone come back and been in been in performances where they were actually shocked and you know they came on the other side the other end of um of of um from winning and losing. So I don't know. It, it, it's just hard for me to, to really even point a finger on, on what to what, what to what to expect because, like I said, um, time waits for no man. So. That, that I, I believe it's more of how much um, Golovkin has to do, I mean, has left in the tank than anything with this fight. Dan, what do you think he has left in the tank? Because, I mean, look, all due respect to Murata, but he's been off longer than Golovkin has. He hasn't fought since 2019. And, look, he's got a legitimate title. Um, it was elevated to that status after Canelo left 160. Uh, but his best wins are over Hassan Nadam and Rob Brandt. They lost to both those guys um the first time so I, I don't know is this will this fight tell you anything about where Gennady Golovkin is I just want to see him back in the ring especially if he wants to fight Canelo in, in September he's got to be active uh, like you said he's almost he's, he's going to be 40 years old when he steps into uh the ring like these guys don't have a lot of success when they're 40 years old but I went back and look at the numbers uh you know during his prime when he was just blitzing people he was throwing in like somewhat around 75 punches around landing more than 40% of his power shots. Uh, you know, one of only, I think he's the only fighter today that lands double digit jabs. He still has his jab, but I'm taking a look over his last three fights. It's down a little bit. He's throwing in the mid sixties. Uh, his accuracy is still high because he's throwing less punches and his jab 
is still there. But the thing that sticks out to me the most, Chris and Jamel, is he's getting hit more. Uh, he's getting cl- close to 40% of uh, his opponent's power shots are being landed on, on Golovkin. And we see that with the, uh, with, to the naked eye when we watch uh, his last three fights as he's taking a lot more p- uh, punches. Uh, Murata is going to be standing there. I think he's tailor-made for Golovkin, but he can punch. Uh, I do think Golovkin will get hit a bunch, uh, but he's got a great beard. Uh, he's got a good chin, and uh, I just want to see him active. I want to see uh, if he's going to be throwing his 70 punches around. Uh, his jab is still there. That's his, his best weapon. And I've always said that the best ways to not only just beat Canelo, but the best ways to disrupt Canelo Alvarez is with a good jab and uh, volume. And Golovkin has both of that. It also has pop, too, which which goes a long way uh, in that. So I think before I look ahead to this Canelo fight, this third one that we think is going to, to be happening, it's penciled in. Uh, let's just see how, how Golovkin looks uh, in this fight. I expect him to throw anywhere in the, the 60 punches per round range. Still going to have that jab. And like we talked about with Shakur Stevenson is maybe he doesn't have the, that one punch power anymore, Golovkin, but he is very precise. We've seen those, those top of the head punches that, that he's, uh, you know, kind of tailored and, uh, you know, very accurate with his uh, power punches. So I I can't wait to see what he looks like. Uh, He's in great shape. I know you guys have seen some of these photos that that are coming out of the guy. I mean, geez, he's always going to be in really good shape, but it's just, it's just, to me, it's, it's, uh, the ring rust, and it's the fact that his defense has, is on the decline. Yeah, I'd like to see the body attack of Golovkin pick up as well. I mean, he was such a devastating body puncher uh, in the prime years of his career. I mean, I can still hear the sound of Matthew Macklin getting hit yes, in the stomach there. Yeah, in Foxwoods. Yeah. Like that, that's, I'll never forget that sound. That was a sickening yeah. thwap, for lack of a better word. But the word. thing about it with, with, with Golovkin that's strange to me is that he totally abandoned the body against Canelo. He only landed eight body shots in the 24 rounds. And even like, even Dan, I don't know if you have the numbers up there for like subsequent fights, but he wasn't throwing to the body then either. Like he was continuing to be not exclusive. He's a headhunter. He's a headhunter for most of that time. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Jamel. Uh, I, you know, a lot of you make you obviously make the Canelo fight because mainstream interest is there in the Canelo fight, whether right. boxing purists like it or not. But you know, you are one of the boxing purists. You are a guy in the sport, like. Is there still intrigue to you in Canelo Golovkin three? I, I believe there still is. I believe there still is, but not as big as it maybe was if they would have had an immediate rematch after the second fight. But there's definitely, um, there's definitely, um, people love trilogies. People, um, fight fans love trilogies. Um, I mean, look, 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 look what we got with um, Wilder and Fury. We we thought we thought um, after the second fight that it was no really no need for it, but the third fight actually turned out to be pretty entertaining as well. So sometimes fighters. Step up, step up their their game when they're in there with a certain individual. And well, I Jamel, that Jamel, let me ask you, so Jamel, let me ask you. Like the one reason I want to see that fight is because since Golovkin, nobody has been willing to stand and trade with Canelo. And I don't believe, even right. though some of the scorecards in his fights have been close, I don't believe you can beat Canelo by just jabbing him. Like you have to stand in the middle of the ring and throw haymakers at him. Now you'll get hit a lot by a fast punches coming back, but Gennady is the only guy, you know, since, you know, Canelo's early days that's been willing to stand there and trade with him. I, I mean, do you agree? Like, I, I think you, you can pitter patter and throw jabs and stick and move. But you just know he's going to catch up to you eventually. Like he did right. with Caleb Plant, like he did with Billy Joe Saunders. Like he's going to get you at some point. And Gennady's the only guy that'd be like, you know what? I'm going to get tagged, but I'm throwing my bombs at you as well. I mean, styles make fights, and 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 their styles both clash for for a good, entertaining fight at the end of the day. 
Yeah. Dan, we just got to have a resolution, right? Like we just got we got it's been 24 yeah, close rounds. We got to have a resolution there. I know. I wish it would have happened like 2 years ago. Uh I personally there's like maybe 3 or 4 fights I'd rather see Canelo in there with, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a third Golovkin fight, especially if he knocks out Murata and and I think he almost Oh, he's going to get the fight if he wins. Um but if he knocks him out, uh Golovkin knocks out Murata, I think that's going to make it even more exciting and and Canelo obviously has to beat Bivol, which is no easy task too, but you brought up a good point, Chris, talking about the having to stand in trade is the only way to beat Canelo, uh, this version of Canelo that we have right now. There's only I would say maybe Benavidez as a fighter that throws close to 70 punches around who has power. Uh, he kind of just stands there too. He's a very tall opponent. Canelo wreaks havoc on tall opponents. He goes to the body. He's the stat. I don't have the stat in front of me, but it's absurd. Uh, Canelo versus taller opponents. Uh, Yeah. There's only a handful of guys that I think could actually had the style that I think could, could beat or disrupt Canelo. And and Golovkin's one of them. I would say Benavides is on on the short list and Bivol is up there as well too. I know we're going to hit on that topic, but uh, I think, Canelo has a tough test with uh, Dimitri Bivol, too. Yeah, no question about that. We'll definitely cover that as we get a little bit closer. Dan Canobio, inside Boxing Live, CompuBox, boxing broadcaster as well. Jamel Herring, former 130-pound champion. He is back in the ring in May. And also, Jamel, doing some broadcasting, right? Joining the, the ranks oh, once yeah. again? Um, I'll, I'll be doing the April 9th on-card with Tyron from Kayla Mayer. And I actually will do the April 30th um, score and balance card as well. So... Definitely, um, staying, staying busy in and out of the ring. How dare you try to compete with Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano? The Jamel Herring Show, baby. <laughs> How dare you compete with the Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, Jamel? How dare you? I know, I know. <laughs> I might have to keep my. I'll definitely have to keep my phone ringside for that one. I, I can't miss that either. I you can't know, miss it. I'm sorry. You know, not to get too deep into that, but like I think Top Rank and DAZN have have it right. Like Katie Taylor Serrano is going to walk well before Shakur and and Valdez walk. So you can. Do both, like you know, and I. Did you hear I how, bet, how, I how bet that she, happened? What's that, Chris? Did you hear how that came about? Was it Twitter? Was that was it Jake Paul and a conversation between Jake Paul and Jay Prince? It well, here's the thing though, and Jamel knows this. Todd DeBoff at Top Rank thinks there's no time too late to start a fight. Like you can start one at like 1 a.m. at <laughs> Top Rank. It just We're doing triple headers at 10 p.m. And, uh, you know, I'm not that old, but I, you know, I got to it's just like, come on, guys, it's 1 a.m. And we're watching uh, a main event. But from what I've heard uh, from from someone in Jake Paul's team is that Jake Paul called up Jay Prince and they made sure that the fight, the main events wouldn't uh, go up against each other. And whether it's true or not, sounds cool. Does sound like cool. a great story. So if it, if it does turn out that way where we can get almost like boxing fans can watch, uh, you know, like almost like a co-main event, main event, whatever one starts first, both of them are obviously main events in their own right. Great night for, for boxing fans. Yeah. Plus you- everybody goes to bed happy. It's going to be a late night. not easy for boxing fans. <laughs> Including the, the Irish will be up at 4 a.m. watching Katie Taylor fight over in, yeah, uh, right. in Ireland. Uh, fellas, it's a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. No problem. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Dan. See you guys soon. When we come back, my conversation with Lou DeBella. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Fight fans, take your best shot with a $150 bonus in site credit guaranteed from FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't matter if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out. New customers get an instant $150 bonus in site credit on your first bet of $5 or more from March 13th to April 4th. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. And with cash out, the ball's in your court. So you can close out your bet whenever you want before the fight is over. To get your $150 bonus in site credit, guaranteed. To get your $150 bonus in site credit, guaranteed. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, Lou DiBella is the promoter for George Cambosis. On June 5th, he will be in Australia, where Cambosis will attempt to put to rest any questions about who was the undisputed champion at lightweight when he defends his titles against Devin Hain. It's a fight that you can see in the U.S. on ESPN. And fresh off the press conference for that fight, Lou DiBella joins me here on the show. Nice press conference, Lou. Put it together. The uh, multi-continent, multi-country <laughs> press conference, Australia. 
And you out in Los Angeles, uh, how do you think it went? This has been four, four months of trying to make a deal um, and actually making two deals, having done a deal for Loma, only for Loma to um, have to go back and fight a bigger fight. And uh, Ukraine got invaded. Loma went back. That deal we gave him. You know, look, we, people are wondering, why are you taking so long announcing George's fight? Um, we wanted to give Loma adequate time to make up his mind and decide what he wanted to do. Um, he actually could have left. He made a decision of conscience to stay. Um, and that that was only a couple of weeks ago. So to com completely have to change course, I, I went back at that moment. I went to George and I said, what do you want to do? He said, go get Haney. And I had a, number, a lot of conversations with uh, some of the people you work with at The Zone. I mean, a lot of conversations with, you know, Joseph Markovsky and, and, and clearly... They wanted to um, try to do a deal. Um, actually, the kid wanted to be loyal to Eddie and to the zone. He felt that they had paid him a lot of money and they, he wanted them to have an opportunity uh, to make a deal. But honestly, we never, we never could make a deal. And the deal uh, at the zone was never better than what I was able to put together by aggregating, you know, pay-per-view with Fox in Australia along with, uh, uh, government support. Uh, the Victorian government really wanted to bring George back to, to Marvel Stadium. And I had a whole structure done with top rank for Loma. And it was, it, it was the deal structure was such that it was a better deal for everyone. Well, for George, for myself, it was obviously a good enough deal that Aram and Loma made it. Um, when I couldn't reach agreement with the zone, I made a call to, to top rank to say, do you think the deal structure could hold through in its exact form? Do you think we could substitute Haney and do the same kind of deal on ESPN? And they went back and had some conversations, came back and said, yeah. Um, and the deal, the deal happened. And, and, and Devin and, and Bill Haney, you know, they were men of their word. They, when I called them, I called Bill Haney when, um, when it was unclear to me that Loma was going to leave, when when Loma went back and I knew that we were going to be under a deadline literally this week. I mean, the press conference happened today for a reason. We needed to get the deal done by April 1 and announced by April 1. Uh, a lot of work went into doing a, a deal at Marvel Stadium. A uh, An Australian football league game had to be moved. That's almost like moving an NFL game. It's unheard of. Um, once we did that, I had to make a big event happen. George wasn't going to tolerate fighting a victory lap tour. I mean, we threw it out to him. He didn't want to hear it. Um, say what you will about the kid, man. He's a warrior. And he has that sort of spirit of wanting only to fight the biggest and the best. That was the instruction he gave. It was go try to make Haney. We couldn't make it. We made Loma. Loma fell out. Now go try to make Haney again. And, and um, I'm happy I was able to get it done. I feel very relieved today that we announced it. Um, the reaction in Australia is ridiculous. It's going to be a huge event. There are going to be about 50,000 people there. That um, that's, I've, I've only promoted one other 50,000 uh, crowd kind of event when I did our Sergio Martinez uh, in, in Argentina. It was a spectacle in a, in a monsoon, uh, but 50,000 people showed up. Um, Melbourne's got a huge Greek population. You know, George is very Greek. Uh, Greek heritage, very proud Greek kid, Spartan warrior, um, 
Melbourne has such a big Greek population that they were just dying to get this fight. And, um, and they didn't, you know, Loma would have been a big fight. The total unification of the division against a young 23 year old, you know, you know, guy like, like, like Devin who could fight his ass off for all the belts. That's a, you know, that it does, you know, we, we went from a, a future hall of famer and a, a guy that's already a legend to a kid that thinks one day he will be. So, you know, George is say what you will, man, George, George reaches for the stars and, and, and George believes in himself. I've never promoted a fighter with more self-confidence than Cambosis. Never, never. Well, I mean, never. I mean, you, Sergio was hugely self-confident and most of the fight, a lot of fighters have been with their self-confident. George is the guy that fuels himself by this like unbridled, put him in front of me. I'm going to knock him down. I'm the emperor. I'm the king. I don't give a shit who I fight. They can't compete with me. That's just his thing. Yeah, I give him a lot of credit for going right into another big fight after a big win uh, over Teofimo. A couple things I'm curious about when it comes to this deal. Um, as Devin said on at the press conference, he has signed up basically to do this twice, referencing the fact that if he beats Cambosis, he is required to face him in a rematch in Australia. There does seem to be, at least when I read some of the reporting on this, like, is it possible that Devin Haney, who has had some struggles getting to 135, could elect to move up to 140 after? And if he does, what happens then? I'm not gonna, I don't want to talk about eventualities, but if he can't make the weight, he can't make the weight. But we have a plan for that. No, I mean, part of, you know, George was getting a rematch clause with Lomachenko. We got a rematch clause with most unified champions fighting an optional fight, get a rematch clause. This isn't like, there's nothing, you know, arduous about it. If you don't get the rematch clause that you have an undisputed champion fighting an optional fight, then you're a moron. So, you know, we, we got a rematch clause and, 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 and it, but it is, you know, they're, they're, they were, they were frank about the fact there are possibilities. I, I believe that with the timing of the fight, with, with the, the fight now happening in June, and with a, 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 a thought of going right back to Australia in October or so, I believe that it's very well overwhelmingly likely that if Devin were to win, the, the, the fight would occur. But if he can't make weight, he can't make weight. But I'll be honest with you, George didn't want to hear about it. Like, believe me when I tell you that George and his father didn't give a shit about the, about the, the, the rematch clause. It was, I mean, I wasn't going to do a deal without it. It would, it would be promotional malpractice, right? But they don't like they don't manifest that kind of negativity like they don't believe like they i mean he wants to, he wanted to know can we can we potentially fight loma because loma is going to be you know loma was his mandatory we didn't announce it because there was no reason to when we made the deal with loma right around the time we made the deal with loma the bo was was about to announce loma as the mandatory we asked them basically we said look it's going there anyway so let us let us get the deal done and then it could be clear, you know, it's not happening because it's the mandatory. Let us get the deal done and then you could announce it's the mandatory. But if Loma is able, if the God willing, God, you know, I, I pray for the, 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 you know, a safe end to what's happening in the Ukraine with the Ukraine getting out of there with some sovereignty and, and um, you know, God willing, if, if Loma can get out of there, um, the, the VO is, he's going to be the mandatory to the winner of Haney Cambosis, mm. you know, He's going to be the mandatory to the winner, in all likelihood. Um, I, people who think that that Devin made a deal because it was the best deal for Devin Haney, 
and and George Cambosis w- was insistent on fighting in a stadium. He said it from the beginning. He was tweeting up stadiums from the next day after he beat Teofimo Lopez. There was not, he wasn't going to tolerate anything else from me. He didn't want to hear about a victory lap tour at Rod Laver Stadium where they had the Australian Open. He was like, no, nope, nope, I'm not doing it. Now go get me Haney. And I tried. I couldn't make the deal at first. Go get me Loma. I made the deal. Loma was unavailable. Now go get me Haney. And uh, we were able to get it done. And the reason we were able to be able, honestly, to get it done was that that's how much Bill Haney and, and, and Devin Haney wanted to fight. No I mean, question. Devin wanted to fight. How, how let me ask you this. How locked in are you on the rematch being in Australia? It's one thing to do the first fight there, but you're a television executive. You know the U.S. landscape. There's certainly possibility that there's more money in the U.S. in a second. Nah, fight. there probably isn't, actually. I mean, to be honest with you. I mean, I, you know, the... the this, I, first of all, I don't see. I don't see any way Devin the George Cambosis Devin Haney is not a good fight. Uh, I don't. I agree. And and Cambosis right now is in his window of stardom. Uh, you know, he he's right now. This is one of the biggest wins a fighter has had in Australia in a long, long time. And people loved him demanding the fight in the stadium. Him saying, "I got to go to Melbourne." The Victorian government supporting it. Um, the, the reason it wasn't hard to get top rank to agree in two different situations with me that a back-to-back plan in Australia theoretically would work. And by the way, when George wins, and I am not going to, I am not going to argue with the emperor who says he will win. When George wins, he's going to defend a second time in the fall in Australia uh, when he wins. Um, and it, and and if Haney has, if Haney is what. Haney believes he is, and I think Haney's a great talent. Um, there'll be back-to-back fights in Australia uh, because the most money will be there and, and the biggest event will be there. Like People were really, really, really juiced up in, in, in Australia today. Like there, it, I mean, you, you might have gathered that a little bit, but, but it, it was this was a big announcement. Um, they're excited about the kid. The kid... Um, Melbourne having that Greek population is a second, big secondary plus for him because he's very, very ethnically Greek. Um, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a spectacular thing. It's going to be a spectacle. It really well, is. I agree. I, and, and, and you know what? Like, like I, I'm a big fan of the zone. I, 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 I'm, I watch a lot of the zone. I mean, I watch a lot of boxing, maybe a little bit less than I once did, but I watch a lot of boxing still. And, and I think the zone gives great product. I think there's a lot of good fights on the zone, but there is something about free TV on a huge event. You know, there is. And and um and honestly that was pretty important to the Victorian government and to the people like, you know, this is a tourist attraction event for, for Melbourne. Melbourne, by the way, is an incredible place. One of my favorite places on earth, no bull. Like I've done a lot of traveling in my career. I always wanted to do another uh, take another trip to Melbourne, do something else in Australia, because it's just an amazing place. And Melbourne's a great city, great, beautiful, you know spectacular views and great food and it's just a party town and party city a lot of ethnic kind of diversity uh, it's a great place and and uh and i mean i'm thrilled to be back and i and and and, and melbourne is thrilled to have cambosis there's going to be it's going to be a spectacular event and and to, you know you saw maybe today with this press conference I, I don't think this press conference just felt like another fight i think it felt like an event it's, and, and, and i think I think, you know, 
to your point, I think more fighters should be world champions. Not U.S. champions. I think you should be world champions. And I think there's a lot of upside to going to a place like Australia where the atmosphere is going to be incredible for Look, a fight like both this. Of, both of the young guys fighting on June, June 4th in the States, June 5th in Australia, because it's the time difference. They're fighting in the afternoon on a Sunday in Australia, fighting in prime time in the States. Um, you got to admire a lot about what these guys have shown in making this fight. I mean, George showed that he's a man of his word. He wanted, he wasn't going to go from Tiafimo to a soft touch. He was going to go from Tiafimo to something huge. And he proved it twice. <laughs> you know, he's, look, how many times you have a guy that fights Tiafimo Lopez, kind, is, is close to signing a contract to fight Lomachenko, and then changes course when Lomachenko is unavailable to Devin Haney. That tells you everything you need to know about fucking George Gambosis. That tells you everything you need to know about him. Think what you will. You want to doubt how great he is. You want to think it was a it was a lucky night at the office or whatever. He don't think that. He thinks he's the man. He thinks he's the emperor. He knows it. And and, and he reached out for that challenge. Do you know how many American fighters will not leave the country to go to hostile territory? There's like huge numbers of them. So many big fights don't happen because a lot of managers, fighters, um, even promoters are hesitant to, you know, to to value that concept of world championship and go on the road internationally. You know, for for Haney to to, to go halfway around the world, uh, you know, to fight Cambosis in Cambosis's hometown. I mean, like, well, he's from Sydney, right? But with in Melbourne, his home country, with a giant Greek population, with a crowd that's going to be 50,000. 49,000 of them rooting for George Cambosis. Um, that tells you a lot about Devin Haney, doesn't it? He's a man of his word. It does. The kid is a man of his word. I mean, the kid is a, I could call him a kid because I'm 61 years old. The kid is a man of his word and he's a, he's a man's man. He's a real fighter. All right. Uh, a significant question I have. Australia, of course, very serious about its COVID regulations. Are Devin and Bill Haney vaccinated? Yes, they are. Devin, Devin got his first vaccine um, during the course of the negotiations. Bill got his first vaccine a week or two ago. They both have scheduled their second. Um, they will be in compliance to go to Australia, um, you know, uh, for the fight. They, they, they've done what they said they, they would do. They wanted to make a deal. We made them the best offer. They accepted the deal and they've done everything they said so far that they would do. Um, I'm, you know, I, it, it, as difficult a, a negotiation as this was for a lot of reasons, part of some of which were just the lack of any kind of, uh, you know, it's not easy to do a deal when you're waking up where the people you're doing the deal with are going to sleep. Right. So I have been really, truly not slept for a couple of months. I, I'm no, like I'm, I'm always a little bit of a vampire. Now I'm like really unhealthy. And, and, and it's been a lot of coffee. And too much food. I probably gained 18 pounds I didn't need over the last month or two. I got to do something to lose it before I uh, so I could wear a nice suit at the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's been a lot of work, but it was gratifying because I think this is going to be a great event and I think it's a great fight. And look, whenever you get the best fighting, the best in boxing, the fans win, we win, the sport wins. This fight's going to get attention. I think it's going to pick up steam. I think there's a little bit of tension between the two guys. You probably saw it at the press conference today. I don't think they're in love with one another. Um, I think they respect each other's abilities, but I don't think they like each other very much. I think it's going to be a heated promotion. Um, I think with the support of Australia, you know, and, and the Melbourne 
population. And I think it's going to be a crazy, crazy night on, uh, on, on June. Uh, I, I, well, I just it's, crazy, to... it's going to be a crazy day on June 5th and a crazy night to watch boxing on ESPN on June 4th. I was going to say, you had to, I was just looking up uh, when the Hall of Fame inductions a week later. Right, like you gotta get her to I mean, get back. You know, I, 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 I gotta just get. I, I just gotta get through that alive, because <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been working. I've really been like working on like lately. I, I've been I'm really working too hard, and and I, I got to go to Australia for probably two, three weeks, um, probably more like three weeks before the fight, at least two, um, and then I literally come back. I, I don't arrive home till like a Tuesday, and I gotta pack and go to the Hall of Fame and be there by Thursday morning. So it's going to be a crazy time, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and look, I got to admit, man, you know, this stage of my career to have something this big on the horizon and to have it happen a week before you're getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, it sort of means a lot to me. It sort of means it's sort of special. Um, you know, I, I've never not, like, messed around around the top of boxing. Like, since I've been in boxing 30, you know, three years ago or so, um, I've been messing around around the top of the sport for a long time, but you have your ebbs and your flows. And I certainly, you know, I've certainly had my, my down roller coaster rides. Um, but the roller coaster is shooting up right now and the timing's pretty good. And it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a fun couple of months for me now, especially today. Like I got to tell you right now, I'm going to go down and have a friggin' martini and a steak. Like, I feel like just taking a, you know, today was like a deep, you know, exhale, you know, a lot of work went into making this happen and it really happened. And I'm thrilled for George. I'm thrilled for Devin. I'm thrilled for boxing fans. They deserve this fight. And by the way, there's a run of some good fights coming, man. There's another run of some good fights coming. That June time frame, you're going to see. Like I want to. I really want to see AJ and Usyk again. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fights coming. Um, you know, the way Dillian's been acting, I sort of want to see uh, Fury slap him around. And um, I'm looking forward to a lot of the boxing that's coming in the next month. It's a good time for boxing fans the next couple of months. I don't disagree, for sure. Uh, two last questions for you. One, Haney said at the press conference... Oh, on- I got you to say one thing, because I want to get it off my chest, too. Um, I do want... I, I said this earlier, but but Markovsky and zone they wanted to do... I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Hold on. Yeah. Just I'm going to get yeah. to that. Those, that's one of my last two questions. Um, the first one is, Haney said at the press conference that... George didn't sign his contract until today, intimating that he his way of saying George didn't really want the fight. You know, Haney wanted the fight. George didn't really want the fight. Is there any truth to that no, and why? No, there's no truth. No, there's zero truth. I mean, George's contract was a lot more complicated than Devin's because of things like, you know, participating in, you know, you have a stadium show. There are immense expenses, and there's all sorts of – he participates on when the event – the better the event does, the better George does, and 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 it's a his contract was very much much more complicated. On top of it, George's lawyer Greg Smith, excellent attorney. You know, it's always challenging when the other side has a great attorney, but he's a, he's a really good attorney. Um, but he had a hearing with the IBF about that that Triller money, that that down payment on the fight. There was a hearing this week, and he had to turn his attention to lawyering that hearing. And so did Dombrov. Dombrov from my office was like, you know, had to testify, and and and, and there was a lack. I mean, it, it was it took it took longer to get put pen to paper, but it wasn't had nothing to do with. No one was trying to get out of anything. That was, you know, look, both of these guys have done their fair share of smack talking on the other. Um, I, I can promise you one thing: today never would have happened if both of them didn't want this fight real bad, real bad. Yeah, no question. All right, now the last question is about why a deal between. 
disown Eddie Hearn, a deal that you initially tried to make the first time, as you said. Then you went to Loma. Loma had a deal, had to back out. You turned back to the disown side. Why didn't that deal work out? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people. Devin asked me today if there was like the, any, like anything personal with me and actually I read a lot of this on social media too. Like this, it was this because of anything personal with me and Eddie? No, no. I mean, if Eddie, look, I mean, I make deals all the time with people I'm not hanging out with at that particular moment in time. I mean, Eddie and I have our ups and downs or whatever, but I mean, the reason I couldn't get a deal done with Eddie wasn't personal. It just, I made him an offer. I think he should have jumped all over it. I made him an offer right in the beginning, like literally the beginning of the year. And, you know, and, and I made him an offer that I was shocked that he didn't take. And he came back with a counter, which was honestly just like it was nowhere near the ballpark. And that was the last time we really had a substantive conversation. And then believing that Eddie and I weren't going to get it done, um, Joe Markovsky and, 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 you know, DAZN made a real strong effort to try to do something. But um, I already had a, a framework with Lomachenko when, when Haney didn't work in the beginning. And that framework made it easy to do something. And I don't think a lot of people don't understand. I think the guys at DAZN got it. But I, I, the guys at DAZN would say I changed the structure of the deal on them a few times. But the truth of the matter is it wasn't going to work. A deal with DAZN buying out Australia wasn't going to work because Foxtel and Fox in, in, in um, Australia really wanted this fight. And they were very aggressive about making sure they got this fight. And, and I had, a, you know, between Fox and, and the, the steadfast desire of the Victorian government to get this big event, um, the structure of the deal, deal changed a few times and we just couldn't bring something home. And then I said to myself, if I'm going to get this done in time to go June, June, you know, June 5th, I need to get it done right now. And how am I going to do that? So I made a call to, to you know, the top-ranked people and said the deal we had, not a matter. See, it wasn't so much he had to take. It was a matter of the whole structure of the deal was the same. Like, people who think that Devin got made some really horrible deal here just to get to get a, a um, you know, fight with Cambosis, that's not true. I mean, the deal that – that's underestimating Bill and, and Devin. The deal they made was the best deal they were offered. Honestly, truth. And they would probably tell you that. The deal that they made was the best deal for them. And that's why they did it. There was nothing personal here. It was friggin' business. Now, that being said, I don't think Eddie and I are running to, uh, to, to drink a bottle of wine together and have a steak anytime soon. But, but what happened here wasn't personal. It was just, it was the best deal for George. It was the best deal for Devin. Um, that's why it happened. And, uh, and, 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 as a result of it, boxing fans are going to win. And here's the truth of the matter. Fans want to see the biggest and best fights. We need to make the biggest and best fights. And network affiliations can't stand in the way. You know, because it hurts everyone. It hurts the sport. And, and um, you know, I think in a perfect world, you know, I know Devin would have preferred to fight this fight for Eddie and his own, but it wasn't going to get done that way. And, and um and he wanted to fight enough to do what was best for himself. And what was best for him was what was best for Cambosis. It also happens to be what's best for boxing fans. I mean, you're getting two young stud fighters at the top of their game, you know, fighting for every belt 
ex in existence at Lightweight um, in front of 50,000 people in prime time in the U.S. I mean, that's good stuff. I agree. I agree. No matter what, the how the sausage was made, the deal got done, and now we get one great fight, potentially two great fights, and if Loma gets involved at the end of it, maybe three great fights, and that's really all that matters uh, when it comes to boxing. Lou, congratulations on getting it done, and uh, get some sleep, man. Take a break. Thank you, man. Uh, I mean, literally, I'm, I'm about to go to Club BED. <laughs> that's about what I'm. That's literally what I'm gonna do. But yeah, have a but have a martini, eat dinner, and go to Club BED. Please stop showing right, the video of your bed. Thank you. Uh, well, it's a hotel room at least. I'm not showing you video of my bed. There's nothing romantic about it, Chris. Have a good have a good night, bro. Bye -bye. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Jamel Herring, Dan Canobio, and Lou DiBella for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I will see you next week from San Antonio, where Ryan Garcia makes his return. What's up, Ryan? Sergio, you don't know shit. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.